Well, we finally had the tiniest smattering of snow. But nonetheless, it's made our daughter very happy because she's been predicting we're going to get snow for the past month. So from a meteorological point of view, she is technically correct. But hey, you know, it really isn't very much. Certainly not compared to what we've had across the rest of the UK and definitely not compared to our friends in various other corners of the world. But I'm going to take it and I'm going to say from a very white corner of the UK, I'm Paul and this is the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast. So hello everyone, I hope you're doing well. I cannot predict or cannot imagine what's going on in the rest of the world, but here in the UK we're back into a national lockdown and of course as a photography business that has one or two (laughs) repercussions, mostly that it's very difficult to operate. Fortunately, I'm still able to do on-location shoots for businesses, Uh, so the Hearing Dogs, uh, we're working with those guys still. So I was down in Brighton yesterday in the sunshine, which is absolutely beautiful. Everything done at multiple metres of distance and COVID compliant and everything else, but it was still nice to be out and about with a camera. So wherever you are and whatever you're up to, I hope you're surviving okay, and I hope that where COVID-19 has touched you personally, it's not catastrophic. Uh, so we're getting on with life. In this podcast, this podcast uh, it hasn't got really much of an introduction, except to say that at the beginning of last year, I recorded a podcast and mentioned the fact that I had, to a degree in 2019, lost my mojo. I was struggling to find creativity. I was struggling to find the energy and the mindset necessary to constantly go out and create beautiful images. As much as I love my job, I had, I suppose, burnt out. And it elicited a response from one of my clients, a wonderful guy called Dr. Trevor Long. And he offered to have a coffee and come and chat through with me the things I could do, the techniques I could take on to improve my mindset, to improve my motivation and to get back some of that, if not all of that, uh, creativity that I appeared to be struggling to find. Sadly, uh, the pandemic got in the way. It crashed in through the door not long after I received that email from Trevor. And so it has taken me over a year or nearly a year, nearly a year to finally get to grips with recording a remote podcast Uh, with this incredible human being who is one of the nicest people I've ever photographed. He and his wife, I photographed their wedding back in 2016, I think it was. To this date, he's still the only groom I've ever photographed on a hoverboard. (laughs) Very funny. Particularly, it wasn't a smooth uh, surface. It was down at the Manoir and they have very old cobbled paths. But somehow he managed to get this hoverboard to fly along it to the point where me and at that point in the day, his fiance were terrified he was going to break something and we'd have to postpone uh, the wedding ceremony. But it didn't happen. He was fine. Uh, And we have struck up a friendship ever since. So in this podcast, I get a chance to talk to someone or listen to someone who is incredibly interesting and incredibly knowledgeable about his work with a charity in the Gambia and about the mindsets necessary for creativity, for positivity and 
basically for things that just make life a little bit better. I hope you enjoy the interview. It's uncut. So what I've done is I've literally just recorded it and uh, left it play out as is. I've taken out one or two clicks and pops uh, where they're distracting. But other than that, me going uh, a lot is just part of the interview, as is Trevor's doorbell going off in the background. Uh, It's as raw as you like. It's just two people chatting and really enjoying the conversation about life, mindfulness and creativity. Uh, The first question, of course, I asked him was to simply introduce himself. Okay. Um, Trevor Long, I uh, started life, I worked at BT Research Labs, really all of my life in uh, in and around um, organisational psychology. And so uh, at British Telecom, I was in human factors, look at the sort of psychology, human aspects of systems design and BT design. Then I became self-employed, went into business self, and this is about, 30, about 28 years ago now. Um, even though I still look so very young and um, <laughs> that it couldn't possibly be the case, it is the case. Um, I did an MBA um, and went into teaching, teaching business strategy, organization development, leadership with, through, through the lens of psychology, a bit of coaching, a um, bit of consultancy and uh, really teaching around, around the world. Um, from New Zealand to Trinidad and South Africa to Scandinavia and um, uh, thought I ought to um, become, uh, move out of being more of a a generalist I think, uh, which is what I felt myself as, not an expert in anything. So I thought well I'll do a PhD. So I did a PhD in uh, organizational psychology and the areas of engagement, motivation, why we do what we do. Um, And then that made me realize that I definitely wasn't an expert on anything, um, but continued working in that area. And that's what I've been doing since over the last 10 years. Right. And you and I'm going to introduce your charity early because I think some of the conversation will be framed in that way. So tell me a little bit about the charity that you and your wife, Nikki, have set up. Yeah, about five years ago, we, we went out to the Gambia and it was uh, really through a, a charity that Nikki was involved with that's separate. Um, th- th- this other charity was providing microloans. Um, microloans are, are loans in, in our terms of, of something like 150, 200 pounds or dollars or, you know, very very small to help people set up their own business. Um, Gambia is is one of the most is one of the poorest countries in the world, um, and the unemployment rate is eighty percent for those in the age range between fifteen and thirty. Very very few natural resources, very little industry, uh, and so very little opportunity for people to uh, take employment. So setting up their own micro business seems to be a good thing. What they found is that they were okay at taking the loan, doing a small business, and that might be making mango jam or doing a bit of tailoring or cutting hair or whatever, um, and paying the loan back. They were very good at doing that. But at the end of the loan period, they found that they did not have a sustainable business. They weren't very skilled at being able to um, establish 
business processes and activities that, that enabled them to move forward in, into an indefinite future. So they knew that Nikki and I worked through business schools and taught strategy and worked in, in had our own businesses. And so they asked us if we could help them. So we set up a, a, a charity to do that. We've been out there uh, four times now running a workshop. We were due to go out for the fifth time last March when yeah. COVID hit, and we were due to go out again this coming Monday. And again, the whole thing has collapsed because of the virus. And we go out, we uh, recruit people onto a, a, a program. It's essentially around a workshop, a five-day workshop. Um, but that is, is very loose. Um, we, and, and we take them through and help them to develop a mindset uh, towards um, running an effective business. And of course, it includes all of the skills that they need to know as well, finance, marketing, um, how to build relationships with customers, um, how to produce what they're doing and, and, and advertise and so on. So we cover the skills, but it's really about establishing a mindset to help them to think in a different way to um, how they have been, but to be culturally very sensitive as well, of course. Yeah, no, I can understand that. It, it was a question that struck me as you were going through that is, uh, and it, 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 it touched a couple of times, is that in, 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 in my sphere of experience, when people talk to me about business skills, marketing skills, relationship management, immediately I start to think of platforms, software, <laughs> websites. Cool. You know, even, even in my head, I was playing back things like photography for commercial use, of course, because as a photographer, that's my frame of reference. Cool. But obviously, obviously, that cannot be necessarily the case in the Gambia. So how much of what you teach is a mind, you use the word mindset. Cool. And I, I suppose I'm, I'm dragging myself around. I'm trying to figure out how to ask the question about how much of the skills that businesses need mm. are generic and how much are specific to the world in which they operate? Yeah, really interesting question. And um, we, again, had a view that we've been teaching MBA. We've, both Nikki and I have got MBAs, and that that's all about generic business skills. Um, and we've been teaching different aspects of MBA for years. And we thought, well, okay, we've got some skills that, that can help. What we had to do was to put all of those to one side. We had to go into the Gambia um, and we spent 18 months really just getting to know the culture and the people, their way of thinking and their way of seeing what we call business, but what we're really looking at here is uh, an activity that enables them to generate sufficient income to look after themselves and their family. Um, and their, their culture is very much a cooperative culture. So any issues of competition become difficult, but they are, um, they find um, the, the idea of profit difficult. Um, they are very much a short-term thinking uh, culture. And that's because they're so poor. 
that they're cons- they, they need to think in terms of subsistence living, very much around farming and food and selling a few vegetables at market or something like that. So short-termism and <clears throat> um, they think in terms, very much in terms of relationships and patterns and pictures and things rather than you know rather than in terms of processes and mechanisms and systems and so on so we had to put aside all of our systematic business thinking and say look how does this work for them the first thing we did was we expunged all of the business language that we know and as we talked to them and as we developed the the approach and we talked to them about about business we we started with the absolute fundamentals in other words without being patronizing of course because they're very clever very lovely very excited very challenging people um and uh, so you know even terms like customers marketing finance we did not use those words we we started off by saying well you know what what do we mean what is it you want to do you want to be able to produce something to earn a living that thing that you produce might be something that's that is a thing or it might be something else that helps other people do things well they are things that we call products and services you know, and so we'd introduce words and ideas um, on the back of the fundamentals. And the fundamentals were rooted as, as, as much as we could in their way of seeing the world and how they thought about the world. So that's a long answer to a, to a question, but that's but you can edit some of this out, of course. <laughs> I'm not going to edit it. It's fascinating because obviously... Um, I wrote in my notes last night that I wanted, given your experience in the Gambia, given your experience of re, you and Nikki have had to relearn your learnings yeah. to be able to teach to a culture that isn't necessarily familiar with what I would call business consulting terminology because yeah. I come from that background, yeah. a similar background to you. Yeah. But what what I suppose fascinated me without wanting to, if you could be very careful, we're dancing a dance around terminology. And I think both of us would want anyone listening to this to know what we're saying is heartfelt and in no way can we ever diminish anybody else's experience. Everybody's experience is equally important, but it fascinated me that some of what you've said, you could have, you, you could have replaced some of the words you used with the term photographer, <laughs> you know, uh, I think you use lovely, excited, challenging, clever as words. These are words that photographers, I would describe my industry as chock full of these people. Yeah. You started to talk about, you, you talked about um, sustainability and yeah. uh, almost a survivalist yeah. sort of mindset for a business in the Gambia because that's a necessity. And, and for them, that's a real, that's life and death. Yeah. It's very real. But as a photographer, certainly in the current environment, I think there's a degree of that mindset set kicking in because none of us can predict the future. We're all sitting here really hard trying to figure out what happens tomorrow. I asked Sarah to do my business numbers and 
and we we have cash flow projections of course we do you know we're a, a business that's based around being a business sure. but when we actually in, interrogate those numbers we've got nothing to base it on because none of what we've experienced in the past relates to what we're going through now and into the future we literally went through a sharp edge where we went from a predictable model where i had annualized data Whoa. and now i'm in an unpredictable model Whoa. and on top of that i also think it's interesting that you talk about changing the wording to make it familiar to your audience Whoa. and i'm really interested in that because so few business advisors business consultants professionals in your sphere actually do that oh. I, they, there are people out there who do of course there are but so few and yet actually if i looked at my world as a photographer oh. most most new photographers don't understand the words that are, that are familiar in a business context and yet nobody nobody tries to break it down and make it familiar and i just think it's really curious Oh. And I love, I love, I mean, you know, I love you, Nikki. I, ever since we first met, we've laughed about various things. Oh. Um, so I think I'm getting to a question, <laughs> which, which is, I suppose, I mean, let me phrase it like this. What have you learned in, through your experiences in the Gambia that we can take back into what essentially I'm going to call the photography industry a multi-million dollar cottage industry, right? So it's lots and lots of one-man bands oh. who cooperate for so much of the time and then compete the oh. rest of the time. It's it, oh. You know, some, some of what you've said oh. chimes with me in this industry. So what have you learned that we can oh. – little nuggets, you know? Oh. Well, um I think that, you know, clearly um, there are practical issues like managing resources. One of the things that we have learned very much in, in, in the Gambia and, and that, that applies you know, very much to individual businesses now is clearly to control finances. Now, of course, that's obvious, um, but controlling costs and hibernating and reducing costs to a minimum is a clear and obvious thing to, to, to do. Um, being aware of income and outgoings is clearly key. Certainly in the Gambia, um, teaching finance was, was really, really, was really very difficult um and to get again they're not they're not silly they're not you know but the idea for example that business money is different to personal money right is an important point that was difficult to get to people whereas in small businesses we often think that the business is me i'm the photographer it's my business so any money i make in the business is my money so there are two things that have to be kept running. One is the business and the other is you personally. And if there's one key thing I would say is separate them. Absolutely. Put a wall between them and transfer money between them in a way that is very 
well documented and very clearly controlled. So there's um, there's clearly practical things like that that that, that you know and. And it's, you know, the things like focusing on not what you can't do now, but what you might do, um, not what, um, not, not where the, the doors have closed, but is there something you can do, do now? For example, um, teaching, do, doing webinars, uh, writing, um, uh, you know, do, do, doing photography that doesn't require you to mix with people. It's about opening up possibilities rather than being stuck with the mindset of everything has stopped. So thinking about opportunity rather than being restricted. So I think, I think there, you know, there, there are things like that, but um, I think, you know, the, the other thing that, that, you know, the other the sort of lens on this, I suppose, you I'll know, forgive you that pun. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, there's lots of puns here. But the other, the other lens on this is maintaining your own well-being. And, um, I mean, certainly, if we, if we refer back to, to, to the Gambia and these people who are living on day-to-day, what, what they do very, very well is that they love each other. Now, and I use that word... Uh, Unapologetic, you know, can't even say it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that is a key to their success and their happiness. Their ability to um, support, uh, work with, look to the other is incredible. We in the West have adopted. Um, a, a more of a capitalist view of competition, profit, gain for ourselves. Um, and I'm not making a value judgment about that. I'm not saying that's right or wrong or anything. I'm just saying that is a mindset that we have adopted. Um, uh, but what that has led to is a sense of division and separateness yeah. and, and soloed working. Si- sorry, siloed and soloed working, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, siloed working is what they're going to say. And if there's one thing that I would, I I would argue for the current situation with independent people like photographers is, look for goodness sake, get together, um, just talk, just share, um, and start to work creatively with each other as to what you might do. Think about what you might do together. But I think that. However you like to build relationships, I would say is an absolute key. And that's a real lesson that Nikki Nikki and I have learned from the Gambia. We said to them right at the start, and we say right at the start of any interaction, any workshop with them, we are not the experts. We're not coming to you with the expertise that we're just going to share with you. We are here as partners with you, and we want to learn from you as much as you might want to learn from what we might be able to share with you. And what we are learning from them is a way of life which is um, helps with resilience, is so supportive. And the issue of uh, being open, sharing, being content uh, with sharing with each other, being content with not being good enough, 
being content with failure, <laughs> being content with feeling fed up, crying, being not, not able to cope. They over there seem to find the whole range of emotions and abilities to cope, something that they are just open with. And it, and it, it actually gives them the possibility of being resilient and managing and, and being able to move forward. You know, I mean, we're talking about people who really are, you know, just living subsistence. They, um, they, they can't be sure. I mean, forget COVID. They, they, they live a, a life constantly about not being sure about, you know, if the rains don't come, they are really, they, 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 they've, got a, they've got massive problems. There's no welfare state. There's no health service to speak of over there. So they're constantly living with uncertainty and we can live, we can, you know, and, and of course the way they deal with that is by managing themselves carefully, managing the resources carefully, being very aware of not, you know, uh, going anywhere that they can't support, not doing anything they can't support, of cutting their cloth as it were to, 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 to what's possible for them. But the key is the mutual support. So uh, I'm going to drag this round a little bit. Actually, I'm, I'm not. I'm going to come back to a question that popped into my head just midway through that sentence, which is, how have you and Nikki survived the past 12 months, given I saw on your blog on Be Real, it said, we're going, this is in March 2020, we're going to the yeah. Gambia, closely followed by a second blog that said, no, we're not. You might want to update your blog, because uh, yeah. those are the last two entries on there. Uh, yeah. Right. But it does, it causes it pops the question in my head that you two are impacted by the same thing that I am as a photographer and all of my friends in the industry are. And how have you coped? What are your strategies and what have you brought back from the Gambia to help on top of what you've just described? Yeah. Well, um, I, I, I guess we have, um, I guess done 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 a couple of things. Um, one is we've we've engaged with the community uh, and we've got involved in community activities to support people around the community through through this. Um, and the other the other is that we've both built up uh, practices which um, I think have helped us to be more grounded in where we are and to cope with uncertainty. So I'm not sure if you would would want to go down this 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 line, Paul, through through this conversation. But for Nikki, it's yoga. I, she does a lot of yoga, and for me, it's mindfulness um, and ad adopting a, a a way of being that uh, you know might sound a bit weird to a lot of people. But to me, it's been a great help. Oh, it's actually, I wrote, the first thing I wrote under your name was mindfulness. Oh, right. Actually, uh, when I put together my notes. So, no, I do want to explore it because in the end, we are going to come back to the, the, the question that set this whole conversation running, which is a podcast I think I pushed out in January, maybe February last year, which is all about the fact that I had essentially lost my mojo <laughs> creatively yeah. speaking right. um and having had a fantastic year in 2019 at the beginning of 2020 i was just feeling like this oh. isn't this isn't it this isn't the ultimate way of working um oh. 
And so you very kindly emailed and say, let's get together and have a coffee. Uh, and a year later, we are now chatting about it because obviously a small matter of a global pandemic. Actually, there yeah. can't be another type of pandemic. A pandemic by definition is global. Yeah. Uh, but let's, you know, over egg it. Global pandemic somewhat got in the way and kiboshed our coffee. Um, so, uh, yes, I do want to talk about. Um, so the, the, the two big threads that we have open that I'd like to explore. One is strategies, which is mindfulness, yoga and yeah. other. And then the other is the, the absolute specific of creativity and yeah. how we can fuel that. But we'll come on to that at the end, because I think that's what I'd like to exit the podcast on. So let's talk a little bit about mindfulness. What do you mean? Because we hear this term a lot. Yeah. What do you mean by mindfulness? Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it has become quite faddish, I think is the word. Yeah. I, 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 I've been into mindfulness for, I guess, about a decade. And um, I, so I, jo- I joined a, a, a group, a local group, and um, meet virtually now. And there's a practice of mindfulness and, and there's being mindful. Um, mindfulness is, is about being more in the moment, paying attention to the moment. And paying attention to the moment in a way that is not judgmental in that we don't deny that the current moment is the way it is. So we say, well, this, this is, this is where, where I am. Uh, and uh, an acceptance of being in that moment. Now, th- th- there is a formal practice that you can do, which is about sitting, meditating, and attending to something that is in the moment. And we often use the breath for that. Now that's not for everybody. Um, It it is for me, but I'm not so good at the actual formal practice of mindfulness. Um, A lot of people are quite good at sitting for a few minutes each day. And what it does is it, it takes your mind away from ruminating, worrying, uh, you know, reflecting on what's happened in the past and being anxious about the future. And that has an effect of building a sense of, of, of peace, a sense of relaxation, and it actually has a, a, an effect of reducing stress. More recent research on, on MRI, MRI scans and, and other research have shown that people who practice mindfulness, um, their the brain structure can actually change as well as, their, as well as their mood and way of thinking. So for me personally, it has helped me to be more relaxed about the, the, the current situation. So There's a practice of mindfulness that has helped me to be, that has helped my well-being, has helped me to cope with the, with the pressures and stress. And it's um, the formal practice just helps with that change of, of mind, of mindset and change of well-being. So there's that, there's that, there's that aspect. But, you know, as I say, I'm not, I'm not so good at doing the formal practice and sitting and thinking about <laughs> my breath for half an hour. But some people are, and it, and it, and it can be really helpful. And, and some people love it and find it very, very relaxing and helpful yeah. and reducing stress. Yeah. But what I am better at 
is being mindful in day-to-day activities. Right. That is just being where I am. There's, you know, some of this can sound a bit weird, and I'm not, I'm not weird really. I'm just a normal guy, but, you know, well, you know, you. <laughs> but what I have found is that when I'm with what I'm doing, um, I enjoy it more. I um, do a better job doing it. Um, I feel more fulfilled. It's more meaningful, you know, and. The, the the phrase that comes to mind is John is John Lennon in 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 his song Beautiful Boy, where he 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 says life is what happens whilst you're busy making other yeah. plans. Yeah. And mindfulness is about being where you are. Actually, is is about if you're if I'm here talking to you, my mind isn't somewhere else. It's about yeah. being here talking to you, enjoying that, making the most of it. And that means that that you know it becomes the most meaningful thing to do in this moment. So, you know, um, now now this is weird. I tell you something that is weird. How this first came to me was washing the car. Now, what we would often do when we wash our car is think about what we've got to do next. Get through it as quickly as possible, but. It, it just hit me once that I, as I was washing my car, I thought, actually, I'm going to wash the car. I'm not going to think about what I'm going to do next. So I actually thought about the washing of the car. And this is, it sounds weird, I know. <laughs> but it was just an exercise in thinking mindfully. And actually, I found that the car got washed better. I enjoyed it more. It wasn't something that I wanted to get rid of and get over and get, get going with. Um, and it was a better experience. Now, washing the car can't be a great experience for anybody anytime. Okay, so that's just a silly example. But you can take that sort of um, approach and apply it to any activity and say, look, um, uh, you know, um, how can we make the most out of this experience? Now I'd like to, now I'd like to bring in photography, actually. Paul, if that's okay with you. Yeah, of course it is. Because um, I've, I've always enjoyed photography, but I'm not, I haven't been very good at it. And I'm, and I'm not an expert by any means, as, as you well know. Um, yeah, it wouldn't be for you to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but um, the, my love of photography is, is macro photography. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> I... I have enjoyed over this last year <clears throat> doing macro photography, but uh, th- there's there's a different there's two there's two ways of doing photography as I see it. You can do photography to get a good image, and I guess if you're being paid at a wedding, I suppose <laughs> you know you've probably got to do some of that, <laughs> um, <clears throat> or you can do photography for the love of the process of photography and that's where i've gained a mindful love of photography that is going out and and i like the the, the macro photography is is plants and you know fungi plants leaves stuff flowers not not the things that move so much 
Um, but actually, um, just to see the beauty of the structures of plants and then to try to capture an image has been a fantastic uh, experience for me over this last year. Not, not with a thought in my mind, how can I produce a great image that everybody will be impressed with? That is an extrinsic, non-mindful way of doing photography. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not a legitimate aim, but I'm saying a different mindful way of doing photography has been something that has really helped me cope, going back to your initial question, and has been a great joy. Actually. I, I just... I, I'm sitting here smiling. I, I'm sorry, I just clacked my microphone, and I just know <laughs> there's a there's a thump in the recording. Apologies to anyone listening. Uh, I I've, I'm finding my, myself. I have so many questions, and I'm trying really hard to channel them down into a structure, and failing miserably as I'm not the most structured person in the world. I think my first observation, more than a question, is that you are and always have been ever since we first met been someone who I find engaging and interesting and quite honestly I'm sitting here as as we're talking I am more and more at peace with everything <laughs> because your approach to life has always had that um so I guess there's a question about whether some people have a propensity yeah. for I'm going to use the I, well, is the right word self-contentment <laughs> sounds you, you know just that thing some people can do it and other people very successful people actually some people who end up on ted talks and stages talking about how they built these big businesses and they're dissatisfied with everything always you know yeah. so there, there are extremes in life and i i don't know whether we can measure actual happiness because contentment and happiness are not the same thing yeah. Yeah. um so i suppose there's that angle on it um but that was more of an observation rather than a question. I suspect some people are yeah. more able to be content. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I, the question I wanted to get to, and we're kind of gradually swinging around to what triggered this conversation in the first place over a year ago, is I think what you said about macro photography would chime with most photographers, not, not all. I think we all start with a camera yeah. and just a germ of ability or yeah. talent or ideas. Yeah. And then we kind of build on this using experience and time. And we build this essentially for most of us, we build a release from our everyday using yeah. a camera. It's, it's our outlet. Yeah. And then gradually as that grows, it becomes our business. It becomes our day to day. Yeah. <laughs> and the, ve the very thing that was my release yeah. is now the thing that I do all day, yeah. every day. Yeah. And what I'm curious about is yeah. what I can do to help me still find the same joy I did 40 years ago when I first picked up a camera yeah. and yet do it repeatedly day in, day out. And whether it's just that maybe that's a pipe dream, maybe that's something you can't do, maybe yeah. – as I have done, I found other things to provide the 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 release, the stepping away from my day job. Yeah, but that's that's the 
paradox is we get good at something that was our outlet <laughs> and now I'm searching for other outlets. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think um, I think the first the first thing is you know, go, going back to your, your first thought really about, um, you know, can, can, can everybody really be, you know, mindful or be, you know, content with, you know, mindful thing i can't remember exactly what your question was now but you know but so the first thing is to say yes absolutely we're all different when you know nobody's i'm i'm not preaching mindfulness that everybody should take it up nikki's nikki doesn't do mindfulness really she's not into sitting and much she 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 just thinks you know this this idea of being and being mindful is, is a lot of nonsense she just wants to get on with things you know but she's she's actually very mindful through yoga so she you yeah. know so so there is some you know some overlap but the thing is it's, it's it's you know this idea it's not for everybody but but what i would say is first of all just spend time getting to know yourself a bit <laughs> you know, um get get to know what it is that you really value um, I was talking to somebody the other day. They were saying, "Well, what what should I do next? You know, what what should I do next in my career? What should I, you know?" And I and I said and I said to them, "Well, look, forget about the doing and think about the being." I said, "The first thing to do is think about who you are and what you value and what matters to you and what is meaningful to you." Um, and we often lose sight of that through our doing. You know, we're human beings, not human doings, but we. You know, we we just do. We just, you know, you said yourself you had a massively busy 2019, and and you probably lost sight of of, of your identity and who you are, and you know what what matters to you, and you know. And so, I think I think the first thing to do is to, uh, I think, try to, you know, and again, we're all different in the, in how how well we can we can we can do this, but spend some time with yourself and 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 and. And just um, don't be analytical. Don't try and dig deep or anything like that. But just, just have in your mind, you know, what matters really. You know, what 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 do I value? You know, what you know. Just uh, allow your mind to just move with your feelings. Um, so that that's the first thing. And then you might discover some things that you hadn't realised. You know, you might. You know, with with that question in in your mind around you know what matters, and then you go and look at the news, or you read a book, or you look at an, an image you've taken or something, and something might trigger. You know, actually, I've got this question in my mind, in the back of my mind, and then when I look at an image, I think, well, actually, I've just realised that what's what's great about that image is the smile on that person's face, not how well I did the lighting. So you think, oh, what does that mean to me? Oh, okay, you know. So you begin. So just that question in the mind, you know, you're not, you know, will allow you through life to maybe see some things that help you to get back to, uh, you know, your soul, really, who you are, what what matters to you. So so I think that's important. You, you you've just got to give yourself space. I think. We've got to give ourselves space to enable that. And for me, mindfulness gives that space. For other people, it will be other things to give them that space. Might be going for a walk or just, you know, looking through the images that you've got might take on or something else. But the, the key question is uh, uh, not what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? How am I going to get back to that point? But the first question is who am I? What matters? What, what's meaningful? What do I value? 
you know, and then you get back to what you valued then. The intrinsic beauty of what you did and what brought you into it can start to sort of come back rather than the, than the extrinsic uh, uh, rewards that you, you, you know, you've moved to, moved to as you go into business. Um, so <clears throat> I think that that's an, under, that's an underlying sort of principle that I think is, is really important, actually, is really important for us to spend time with ourselves and get to know ourselves a bit more. The, the, the next thing I, would, I think I would say is um, that um, there's, there's a um, Marcel Proust said, um, the real voyage of discovery is not seeking new landscapes, but it's in having new eyes. And um, going back to the childlike curiosities and questions and wonder, um, I think is another way to bring us back to what matters, you know, what our first love or something. Um, you know, so it, it's, it's not about doing new things it's about looking at just where we are just what we do with new eyes and that requires us to um you know question um uh you know um i want i wonder how you know again relating to photography perhaps you and, and th this this is this is almost a metaphor for, for life i think but if you know photography you might go out i might go out into the countryside seeking an image seeking good images you know and i, and I want some fungi or something to get me. <laughs> and um and so my, my mind is on getting good images you know whereas um a mindful way and a more creative you know we talk about creativity but but discovering myself more is actually just going out into the countryside and being there for a bit and then this is going to sound weird but then allowing an image to present itself to me now that might or might not sound weird and it might or might not sound like it, it has any meaning at all but the but in my mind what it means is that there's a world of difference between going out and seeking to achieve something into the future and going out and just being in the present moment and seeing what presents itself to me that says something to me about myself going back to finding what matters to me and then it might say something to me about hey i'm a good photograph you know i'm a good image but it, it's allowing it's allowing our normal environment just to present something different to us Does okay my, my 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 all right you, you, i for that, I'm not, I'm not going to use the video, but obviously you can see my cogs whirring <laughs> as my eyes 
flit around, trying really hard to piece together a parallel. Mm. So there's a couple of things that have struck me in this conversation. There are two. One is that I think when, certainly I did when I started with a camera, almost exactly as you described, images presented themselves. And then over time, as I learned and taught myself how to do different things, the techniques of photography, and we've been quite specific here about photography, those you know the physics of the camera and then the rules about composition and lighting and all of that stuff storytelling instead of it being something that presented itself it's something you're now starting to think about constructing you start to push and on the one side that's really because it now means pretty much anything can present itself as a good image because you have this sort of portfolio of skills to apply to what you see the flip side of it is sometimes the presentation of what is there gets lost underneath this stack of techniques that you're thinking about. You start to do things like, and I'm sure this is familiar, that would be a great image, but I know the composition would be wrong. You start to layer in fault. And so you don't take the image. You don't experience the moment because actually you're thinking that's substandard. Yeah. So that, that's one thread. So I'm, I'm planting these ideas in your head to talk about. It. And then the other thread, so that I don't forget. So I'm letting you remember it. Right. <laughs> is that as a working pro in something that you regard as your outlet, those moments, I, I don't have the luxury. I, I photographed your wedding. I didn't have the luxury of sitting on the grass waiting for a moment to present itself. I know, I know. <laughs> you know, my job, and it's, it's, this, it's this Venn diagram where, the, where my outlet and my work overlap mm. and they, they are all contained within the, the outer circle, which is essentially creativity. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm paid to be creative and my creativity was my outlet and the whole lot now is my life. Mm. Um, and that adds that adds some questions that I'm having to figure out. Mm, mm. Yeah. So I'm passing the book back to you. Discuss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that of course life goes on and, and reality is, and the car needs to get washed and the, you know, you know, I want to, I, want, I do want a nice photograph at the end of it anyway. And yeah. so, so I'm, I'm, I'm simply exploring and uh, offering um, a lens again that, um, uh, can be helpful or might be helpful in in the context of reality, and that you know that there. I mean, a, a current sort of um, line of thinking in in the business literature, in management literature, and organisational psychology literature is the idea of nudging, the idea of you just move a small amount towards something a bit different. Right. The the idea of nudging towards. Uh, you know something that might that might be a little bit better that might just be a little bit better the the idea of nudging so just now i said well look just put just put in your head this question oh you know what matters sort of thing and then just go through your normal life and see what happens well that's that's not that's just nudging towards a slightly yeah. different way of thinking um and so you know you you might just come come across a thought again and an idea of what mattered in the past, and you might just say, "Ah, oh, hold on a minute, yeah, let me let me just nudge back towards that again, 
let, let me just think a bit more about that before I go for a wedding to a wedding. You know, one of the things that really impressed Nikki and I about uh, about coming to you was that you spent a lot of time getting to know us as people before you photographed our wedding, which I thought was brilliant. Um, and it's like, so, so there's a principle there. The principle is let's get to know the person and then you get to know what they want and you get to know how to photograph their wedding a bit better. So there's a principle, but you know, you might, you might not have that principle in mind, but then I would be saying might maybe nudge towards getting to know the person a little bit more. But you're great at it. You do you already do it. Um, but other people listening might not be doing that. So I'm I'm saying, well, look, rather than go out and take a photograph of of, of a of a fungus or something, um, go and just spend a bit more time being mindful about it than I might otherwise do. Now that might be ten seconds. Yeah. There's a nudge, but that's what I mean. You know, do you don't we we, we, we don't worry ourselves about this it's not you're not aiming for a, a change of lifestyle or standard you just say a little bit more just a little bit more awareness a little bit more questioning a little bit more curiosity perhaps might take us back to what it was intrinsically that began this journey you know um and i think that again it, it comes back to the importance of just taking a bit of time to do that it doesn't have to be a lot of time it's more of a mindset than anything yeah you know going back to mindset i think so i don't, I don't know if that answered a question or, or <laughs> there was a question or what, what but anyway that that was part of the, the, the sort of thought that you had um the the other the other thought was um challenging orthodoxy <laughs> challenging the rules it's another there's another um oh there's a book i've got here uh there's a book here by a zen buddhist now i'm not a zen buddhist or anything but i just happened to have been given this book he says this um in the beginner's mind there are many possibilities in the expert's mind there are few yeah and um, your expert, the, the challenge to you, I suppose, or any expert would be, is your expertise getting in the way of your creativity? Oh, wow. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. you'll have to let the clog the cogs yeah. a little on that one there's something to think about there yeah. So, yeah. you know the, your expertise would uh, which is which of course is fantastic but it but it's it, it would there would be some formal expertise about settings on the camera for example and then there'll be some less formal expertise about things like compositions and things like that and you know and 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 you know the, the sort of magic and so on and the, just the experience that brings this sort of tacit expertise that you know that you, you probably couldn't describe anymore because it's so deeply internalized you know but um and that expertise causes us to see sit first of all see a situation in a particular way and it causes us then to behave in a particular way 
you know, you, you think, well, that, that's that's how you do this. You know, that's that's how I've learned to do this. That's a, and um, so the 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 challenge is, can we adopt nudge towards a beginner's mind? Actually, which is a curiosity, a naivety. I'll give you an example of what I did, and, and this this won't this won't be particularly clever for any experienced photographer, but it was clever for me because it was my it came out of my own naivety. So I was taking some photos, macro photos of some tulips, and um, in the garden we've got really dark purple, black almost black tulips. So my level of expertise at that point was that well i've got to take that against the light background so that it shows up yep and then i said to myself ha huh, what if i take it against a dark background so that that will be obvious to you you take dark dark dogs against dark background and so on and, and they're lovely but but to me it wasn't you see but you know so your sort of beginner's mind will be at a different level to mine. But but that's an example of saying, well, my head says that the principles say that this is how it should happen. This is what I ought to do. But hey, hold on a minute. Let's just be playful here. What if I do, you know, beginner's mind is, what if I go and take it with a dark background? What happens? And I did, you know, and I, I was quite happy, <laughs> you know. Well, that's, well, that's how the dark dogs on background started. It was it was literally a, a question: Could we do it? Um, yeah. No, I, I think you're absolutely you're absolutely right. And I, I, no one's gonna no one's gonna counter argument everything you've said. I mean, I, I can I'm sitting. You can see it because we're on a video screen. <laughs> I'm just smiling because well, the conversation is is just making me very happy actually. Um, in this world, then, are there? We've talked a little bit about mindfulness and nudging and moving towards things tiny step by tiny step. Mm -hmm. But let's get on to the specificity of creativity, which is a very, I, I suspect we're kind of, we're homogenizing some of these discussions because, of course, creativity in itself is a mindset. And if you're mindful and you're in the moment, we use the term being present a lot. Yeah. You know, every, uh, particularly, I, I'm flattered that you found our approach to working with you and Nikki. You know, something that you really enjoyed, and we try to do that with each and every client. Oh. You know, we we use, and I've talked about this on podcasts about being present. But oh. I love the idea of being mindful. I think it's it's a slightly more correct term. It's being aware of what of of the person in front of you. And for me, it's always been about relationships. That's my particular angle on. Yeah photography is the relationship between yeah. you the view you the sitter and in the end the viewer of the picture it just happens i'm a catalyst i sit between the two making that possible yeah but in terms of my specific problem <laughs> of which i have lots of problems as i'm sure my wife uh, could list them very quickly and uh, in these lockdowns i've heard quite a lot of them uh, the, the problems that i have uh, but the one I had, which was what triggered this conversation, we're going to round out this podcast with it, was that I felt that I was no longer being creative. I was no longer inventing. But in the context of a working world where whether I like it or not, my creativity is the product 
You know, in in the same way that an iMac is Apple's product or a Land Rover is Land Rover's product, you know, it is my product. And yet somehow I've still got to unleash my, the childhood invention. And what I'd like, I think, to finish this, this podcast with is a discussion about how do we go back? You talk about looking at it and having curiosity, but how do I... I nearly use the word force. And of course that's terrible. It's a terrible word. Mm. How do I encourage myself in the context of needing to earn my living Mm. channel my inner kid, the kid that picked up that Kodak Brownie all those years ago Mm. to still be with me? How do I do that? Are there things just tips and tricks that make that Mm. more possible? And then the second extension of that is because there's a ton of research on creativity that talks about and i suspect i'm aware of the direction of the conversation it talks about to be at your most creative you need the mundane in your life yeah they talk about mowing the lawn or going for a walk or just scanning a newspaper without really getting engaged in it and after you've done that that it's not inactivity you have to be active but it's not cerebral it's not you're not conscious of it Are there things that are readily available? I don't mean things I can buy. I mean things I can do that just enhance my ability to be creative. Yeah. Well, I suppose, you know, just just going backwards on that and just picking up on that last point, really, that the the, the idea of the mundane is that it gives the brain space to reorganise. And our brains, of course, so get enough sleep is one (laughs) thing we need to do. Um, Sleep is much more important than we think. Um, and you might want to have a look at a book by some, a Walker, Matthew Walker, I think his name is. On um, he's he's a he's the guru on on the importance of sleep, because when we sleep, the brain reorganizes information, and that essentially is what creativity is. It's repatterning, it's restructuring information. So you do the main that you do the mundane in order to give your brain time to reorganize and and that's that's just why you know we everybody says they you know the the idea came when i was in the shower you know or mumming the lawn and that's yeah so so that that's why because because the brain continues to work for us even when we are not thinking about what it is that we're working on and that's why you know a tennis player will finish um a, a coaching session and then at the beginning of their next coaching session they're somehow playing better or different to how they played in the previous session when they haven't picked up a racket. The brain has been working on that and doing it for them. So that's all about resting, sleeping, resting, reflecting, allowing allowing the, 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 the brain to um, just go where it wants to go. All those things are, are important, I think, in the context of, of why the mundane is, 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 is important. Um, but you you started off by saying how how to rekindle that beginner's mind, if you like, that childlike enjoyment. And uh, I mean, apart from the things that we've we've sort of we sort of said, the nudging, the reflecting, the mindfulness, perhaps just nudging towards that, spending time, you know, thinking about new eyes, being curious, asking questions, um, and so on. Um, I wonder if specifically with photography, um, it, th- there might be a way of um, 
going into photography in a way that you've never done it before. I wouldn't know what that would be, but it might be taking, um, you know, cityscapes at night or something, you know, something that you've never done. And that might, is, is that what that might start to do is echo back and rekindle that, that you can then bring back and apply to what you're doing now. You know? So, I, I mean, I'm only, you know, I'm only, you know, suggesting that for me, it would be um, moving from, you know, macro photography to, you know, to, you know, I've sort of lost sight of how to do the post-production because I'm no good at it and all the rest of it. So, okay, I'll go on, I'll go on, you know, start taking photographs of portraits or something, you know, just, and that, that then forces me back into the first naiveties and questions and curiosities and that might begin to trigger those neurons back into play again. So that, that might that might be an exercise that might that might be helpful. Um, I think that the other thing that comes to mind is forgiveness, uh, and that is to um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, when when you first when you first learn to play tennis, you 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 know you. And, and I, I can't play tennis, but I, I'm just using that as an example. But you learn that what you've got to do is keep the ball within the lines. So you start to put rules down. And those rules can start to restrict your, your, your creativity, you know, your ability. I do know the tennis coach, he said, don't worry about where the ball goes, just hit it. Just hit it over the net. Just don't worry where, where it goes. Just look at where it goes and don't worry about it. Be forgiving. Don't worry. Don't, don't care. Just enjoy hitting the ball. And um, I, I think we don't have enough forgiveness in the world, uh, but that's a slightly different issue. But I think we don't forgive ourselves enough. I think that's really is a big issue. And I think we go out and we say to ourselves, I've got to perform like this. And then we start to lose, lose the spark, lose the intrinsic enjoyment. Why don't I just go out and say to myself, oh, you know, hey, just going to take some photos of some fungi. You know, okay, I've got some ideas, but who cares if they don't turn out right? No, I'm just going to enjoy the moment, enjoy the photography. So I think that, you know, um, just going back to just doing it, enjoying the doing of it rather than the result of it. You know, I, again, you might be able to nudge towards that. That might resonate with you or anybody else, and it might not, but it might sound weird to some people. But, it, you know, but, but I, 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 I do believe it seriously. I, and, and, you know, so it might resonate. You know, you might nudge towards it a little bit. Just, just going out and taking some photos, you know, um, and not caring what they come out like. But just enjoying the process of it. Some of that can. Um, there's one other nugget. You asked for some nuggets. I don't know whether these are nuggets, but another thought <laughs> is maybe a last thought is really going back to what I was saying earlier about reflection. Um, there, there's a you know there, there's a thought. 
I don't know about you, but I don't remember much from my university years. They were a long time ago. Um, and, and much of what I remember wasn't to do with the learning, really. But there was one thing I did learn, and I've remembered, and that's this. It's from a psychologist called Broadbent, and he said, it's not practice that makes perfect. It's practice with feedback of results that makes perfect. So you can become an expert at photography, but if you never see your images, you can you can you can take as many photographs of, as you like. If you don't, if you never get any feedback, you know you will never progress. You yep. never, you know. <clears throat> so um, with photography, the unfortunate thing about photography is that your feedback is delayed. Well, not as much as it used to be. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It would be great if, to me, it would be great if I could take a photograph and see it on a computer screen immediately, because then you get the learning from what did I do and what was the result. And learning is best when you've got very fast doing feedback, doing feedback. Now, in that, so, so, you know, you, you come back with a, with a photograph, you put it on your, your computer screen, you start a bit of post-production and stuff. And that's all great. And, and you start to analyze and work on it and start to produce the image you want. That's, that's great, that's all fine. But my, but my thinking is, again, and this, this again is a little bit off-piste perhaps, but it's, it's um, how about just, just looking at the photograph for a while? How about, you know, when I, when I did my PhD, one of the analytical processes was to immerse yourself in, in, in qualitative data, in, in, in interview data. You immerse yourself. You don't analyse it. You just immerse yourself in it. And there's a good lesson there. How about immersing yourself in an image of, you know, the, the black tulip with a black background and saying, Hold on a minute. I don't want to. I'm not going to analyze. I'm not going to try and do anything with it for a minute. I'm just going to be with it. I'm just going to enjoy it. Actually, enjoy the picture. What's you know? What's nice? You know? Why? What does it make me feel? You know? Why does it make me feel that? How? How is that? You know? What's going on that makes me? What's that makes me feel happy? You. You know. You. You said you're you're enjoying this conversation. It's making you feel good or something. Yeah. Rude for that. And, you know, the reflect, the reflective bit in me was to say, might say to you, well, why? Because if you understand why, you, you could reproduce some of that. I think, I think on a surface level, some people have an ability. And I don't think everyone could do it to everyone. I think some people just, I just genuinely connect with. Actually, that's, I just like your company. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. I don't think it's. I don't think it's deep. <laughs> I just uh, find you. Uh, well, the, the the point I guess I'm making is that just asking why you enjoy the photograph as you immerse yourself in it, what is it about it, um, gives you an opportunity to explore what's going on inside of you that might rekindle back that creativity yeah. and that that love for what you're doing. It, you know. Yeah. Getting away from the extrinsic, I do it for the result, for the outcome, for the income, for whatever it is. Um, 
and where's where's the where's the, where's the first love you know where, where's the beauty in this yeah, that that's the sort of question yeah. it's just a different lens again that and, and a nugget yeah. maybe that might help with creativity again. Right. I was, I was going <clears> to, <throat> that was the perfect point to round off the conversation, except right. <laughs> something occurred to me <clears throat> while, while you were talking about it. So this will be the point we round off the conversation. Seriously, I'm regretting never having had that coffee with you because it would have been a much more open-ended, you know, conversation that didn't need an endpoint, but we do need to end it, but I still have this question, which is an observation, but I'm curious as if there's, if there's any thinking about this, which is very often I will go back and explore my early portfolio. We actually keep a portfolio of hero images from every shoot, just one or two images that goes into a catalog. If yeah. I go back 10 years yeah. and look at the pictures I was creating very often, and particularly if I go back to the outtakes, I will find gems in there that now connect with me in a way that at the time they didn't they were possibly even rejected yeah. i never they never even made it into the portfolio what is it about time mm. is it is it the time as in your memory of the context of the moment you created it has changed or is it that your tastes have changed over time or what is it about the, the period of time between creation and observation mm. that fundamentally changes your perspective of an image mm. well um what, what we what we what we always see is more to do with us than what's out there um it, you know it's to do with our perceptions our thoughts our feelings our interpretation right um and you and i will and, and we know that i mean there's lots of research done on things like on observations of events and people sometimes can see something very, very different um, because of the way they interpret it. So that's because from even before birth, we construct our own sense of reality. Right. This is the constructivist way of seeing the world. And there are other ways of seeing the world. But the constructivist way of seeing the world suggests that f from birth, we experience something so it comes in through our senses and we experience it and we interpret it that interpretation begins to define how we experience something similar next time or how we experience something else and so life is a dance of experience interpretation experience interpretation and so we and and then we begin to internalize deep-seated constructs. That is how things ought to be done. That then causes us to start to make judgments about what's right and wrong, what's good and bad. Um, and but also about um, you know our ex coming coming right back to your experience of, of, of photography. It might be that in the time between first taking and seeing that image and later you know you would have constructed different views of the world and people and events and emotions and so on and all of that would then cause you to go back to that image and you might see a different emotion you might it might trigger something different in your 
now constructed sense of who you are in your reality. So that's that's a. I'm sorry, that's a bit of. No, it's it's it's. But that's it's, that's possibly why. It's it's absolutely perfect because I have another podcast to record, whose working title at the moment is how experiences, even if they're nothing to do with photography or in, I'm actually, it's a chef I'm going to interview how yeah. his experiences around the world have defined a culinary experience. Okay. And, and I, so what you've actually done is lead me neatly on and give me the kick I need to contact a very famous chef um, and get that podcast into his diary. Okay. Uh, so thank you. It's perfect. Honestly, I've, I've loved every single second of this podcast. I don't think I felt so, motivated to sit and do nothing in all my life <laughs> well, I really so, enjoyed it as well paul and perhaps we can get that coffee sometime oh definitely definitely we need to do that yeah. i'm so sorry i'm so sorry it took me so long no, uh, no. i was i was on i was teetering on the edge of doing it and then of course the pandemic just changed everything of course um, no worries so, uh, but no uh, thank you trevor uh, it's not over yet though uh, i still need you to nominate your book to go into our very real library here. It's very, it's real. I go onto online and get it. Okay, Paul. Well, um, I, I'm actually cheating. I've got two. Um, yeah, just. I'll allow it. I'll allow yeah. it. That the it's, it's, this is this is mindfulness and the natural world, um, and so it's going back to my thinking about being um, about going into photography through a more mindful approach. So that's and it, that it, this is by Claire Thompson. It's called Mindfulness and the Natural World, subtitled "Bringing Our Awareness Back to Nature," and it's published by Leaping Hair Press, and it is 2019. Sorry, 2018. Cool. Well, then the second one. There's, there's some of this, and there's some of the second book that. I do not entirely align to some of it becomes a bit mystical and a bit, you know, the <laughs> idea of consciousness in, in, you know, is not, is not a, an approach I align to. So some of it's a bit weird, but this one is called rewilding. And again, it's along the same lines. It's by Micah Mortelli, M O R T A L I Mortelli. And it's 2019 and it's, Oh, it's published by Sound True. Um, and this is a, a, a book again that I've dipped into because it just brings me back to um, becoming immersed in, in nature, which again relates to mindfulness, which relates to photography that I love to do. Perfect. So, yeah. Right. I shall go and source those books. I will put the links to them in the uh, podcast notes down below so that everyone else can go there. But only after I've gone and bought them. Because <laughs> I, I, I was going to buy a secondhand copy. Um, yeah, and of course, sometimes they're in limited supply. Um, and I make sure I get my copy for the library before I put it out to the big bad world. Right. <laughs> so, it's not, I don't align with all of it, but that there's maybe something in there of interest Ella, there's bound to be something because if you found yeah. it interesting i'm certain that i will and by extension the people that find this podcast interesting will find some of it interesting even if they don't fully align to it on that note trevor thank you so much for um for letting us do that that's just brilliant very welcome really enjoyed it paul ah oh, so what 
an incredibly nice guy. Really, in this little business of ours, we do have the nicest, and it turns out, pretty clever clients. It was such a pleasure talking to him. He's just one of those people that makes you feel good just by listening to him. Um, and he always has done ever since we first met him and his a really lovely wife, Nikki. Uh, just nice, nice people. And I hope you got something out of that. I hope the podcast um, gave you some ideas and things that maybe uh, you can apply to your world, whether you're a photographer or not. Uh, just things that I don't know. It all kind of made sense, even if uh, words like words like mindfulness don't necessarily echo with you. Uh, the two books that were mentioned, the first is called Mindfulness on that topic, Mindfulness and the Natural World. It's by an author called Claire Thompson. And the second book, uh, yeah, someone who's taking advantage of our good relationship and recommending two books for the library, which I've now got to go and source, uh, a book called Rewilding. That's one word, Rewilding, uh, by a guy called Micah Mortali, M-O-R-T-A-L-I. Uh, I've put the links to both of those books, uh, at least the Amazon version of both of those books, onto um the podcast notes are down below so if you're curious you can click on those and I think it gives you previews of what's inside. Uh, at this stage I can't say whether I've enjoyed reading them because I haven't yet. Uh, I'm just wrapping this podcast up and I will go and order them. Uh, so there we are, a really really interesting podcast with some ideas for all of us to go and explore whether it's the physical with yoga, exercise, that kind of thing whether it's the more uh, spiritual, uh, mindfulness and uh, meditation and that side of things. I am sure that I'm sure I know certainly for me, there was plenty in there that some of which I'm already doing, some of which I need to do better and some of which I've never even tried. So I'm off to go and apply some of those things because it looks like this lockdown is going to go on for a while. And it's not like I don't have a little bit of time to get myself comfortable with just, well, being. So on that happy note, stay safe. Stay positive, test negative. Be kind to yourself. Take care.